Hello and welcome to another episode of Schlock Tactics, the movie podcast where we believe badder is better and aim to watch the technophobic tat so that you don't have to. My name is Ash and I'm joined once again by Mark. Oh hi Mark. Hello. For new listeners, uh, if you don't know what we do here, we take uh, two to three bad films, we review them, we talk about them, we compare them to each other and basically decide which is the best bad film out of the bunch. Uh, last episode we did, it was pretty much our biggest episode, biggest shark movies of the summer, uh, which was The Meg and Sharknado 6, the last Sharknado. So uh, if you missed that one, go back and check it out and uh, still let us know what you thought of those films. But uh, today we are going to be reviewing two films from the 90s that really tapped into a, a growing fear of technology, virtual reality, and of course, the internet. <laughs> it's The Lawnmower Man from 1992 and Johnny Mnemonic from 1995. So first we'll, uh, we'll get into The Lawnmower Man. There is actually a short story by Stephen King called The Lawnmower Man. This film is not based on that short story. Okay. Um, they all already had a script which was called like Cyber Hell or something rubbish. And then there's somebody figured out there was a Stephen King story called The Lawnmower Man. So they, they basically incorporated the, the slightest elements of it into the film and then called it Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man. And Stephen King sued them twice uh, <laughs> in a row. Which I can imagine him doing. He took the title only for this, so perhaps Stephen King does still get a credit for that, but he definitely didn't want it. It is. Um, I've got it on IMDb here. Writers, <laughs> Stephen King, brackets, title only. He didn't want that, though, because why would you? He's going to start suing IMDb, I think. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, Stephen King, it's still out there. It's on IMDb. <laughs> um, sort them out. So the uh, the special effects and the, and the CGI in this film, obviously very uh, early on in the in the life of CGI was done by a company called Angel Studios and they would go on to become Rockstar Games. Really? The AKA the biggest video games developer in the world. Wow. So I think you would maybe have to say they were the the most successful people that worked on this film overall. That is but, some um, cracking trivia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we obviously will discuss the special effects in the film, which weren't great, but it was 1992, and really this was only maybe the the fifth or sixth film to have even tried this level of, of CGI, so we have mm. to cut him a break there. Um, so, The Lawnmower Man, uh, if you want to know what it's about, I'm going to read you the opening crawl. Basically, both of these films have opening crawls where they give you the, the plot in a nice, succinct uh, block of text. By the turn of the millennium, a technology known as virtual reality will be in widespread use. It will allow you to enter computer-generated artificial worlds as unlimited as the imagination itself. Its creators foresee millions of positive uses, while others fear it as a new form of mind control. <laughs> so that's it that's your opening crawl uh, to give you an idea of what, what the concept of this film is it's obviously based all around virtual reality and it's actually a little virtual reality warning that you get at the beginning me and Mark we watched the um, director's cut of The Lawn Mower Man which is yeah. 2 hours and 20 minutes <laughs> I'm so sorry Mark <laughs> M- not many uh, bad films get a director's cut so it was interesting but we, we chose to watch it so that you don't have to please don't <clears throat> we open up with The Lawn Mower Man in a, in a place called Virtual Space Industries Basically, looks like um, like a level out of Perfect Dark, yeah, um, and, and similar graphics as well. <laughs> um, when we get to that, uh, straight away we see the star of our film, the one and only Pierce Brosnan. 
Bronholm, as I like to call him. For those of you who don't know, uh, Pierce Brosnan, he had two involvements with the Razzies, neither of them were for this film, shockingly, <laughs> and neither of them were for Die Another Day, somehow. <laughs> um, he was nominated for The World Is Not Enough, but he would finally win the Razzie for his uh, part in Mamma Mia, uh, the musical based on the works of ABBA, which you may imagine I have not seen. <laughs> so there you go. A, a Razzie Award winner, Pierce Brosnan, no surprise there. He is your leading man in this film. Pre-Bond, uh, emerging star here, and that's uh, he plays Dr. Angelo, who is a virtual reality sort of scientist that works, in the, works for this virtual space industries, or VSI, as they will abbreviate it throughout the film. Yeah, it gets pretty mad straight away. We're, we're introduced to um, one of his test subjects, um, Roscoe, the test chimp. <laughs> the VR test chimp, who Pierce Brosnan describes as the best chimp I've ever had. <laughs> uh, they're, they're wanting to uh, to pump him full of, of drugs and, and really crank him up to, to maximise the test results, and he doesn't want to do that. But they do anyway. They, they plug him into this sort of gyroscope that you have to go into when you start to, to do your VR for some reason. <laughs> and we sort of, we get our very first snippet of, of CGI here. And what I think it's what these people think video games are. Yeah. But really not. Like, both of these films are made by people who, who have an idea of technology and computer. But I don't know if they've ever used one. Um, Why do you have to get into a gyroscope and be flipped around in order to experience VR? I don't get it. We've never done it, so we don't know. It's, it sounds dangerous. But the uh, we get a glimpse into the program here that the, the, the chimp has been um, plugged into, which is like a basic first-person shooter. It's got like a sort of Mega Man arm, and it's like <laughs> going up to a pyramid and shooting things. Didn't look like a great video game, mm. to be honest. This was the cutting edge of the, the VR, uh, military VR at the time. It all becomes a bit much, and the, the Robo-Chimp, he actually does look like Robocop. Yeah. He has a helmet with a little visor going across his eyes, and he, he, is, he is Robocop in chimp form. <laughs> he goes on a typical rampage because he's been pumped full of drugs and plugged into the, 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 the mainframe man too much, and he goes mad. I, I was reminded many times in this film of one of my favourite films, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and that was certainly the case with this chimp, you know, going mad off of experimental drugs and ruining the whole the whole project that they were trying to uh, trying to get funding for there. I haven't even seen Planet of the Apes, and it reminded me of that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a chimp becoming slightly more intelligent. That that was the idea. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's worth noting for anyone who's is not old enough to remember the early '90s were really there was a real moral panic about video games and violent video games in particular and there are like some great documentaries out there that, that cover this Mortal Kombat had just come out and parents were freaking out uh, Doom had come out yeah. uh, and just parents and teachers and a adults squares you know were freaking out that their children were going to be playing these games and would turn them into violent monsters which this film is, is tapping into <laughs> quite, quite a bit certainly with the chimp character but uh, he does go on a rampage and he escapes the VSI industry uh, compound. We are then introduced to the lawnmower man himself, uh, Job Smith. Now, Job is played by Jeff Fahey. Many, many people, I hope, will recognise him from Lost as uh, helicopter pilot Frank Lapidus. So I've got my Lost reference out really early <laughs> here. This is someone that was in Lost and was quite, quite a big character. So in order to make him appear as 
a man-child and a simpleton. They put him in a dungarees with only one strap on, sort of messy, bleach-blonde hair. He encounters the chimp, the robo-chimp with the helmet on, and uh, straight away he, he goes, Hey, Cyboman! It's Cyboman! <laughs> and I'm thinking, does he mean Cyberman? <laughs> I, that doesn't... I don't know what he's saying. And we eventually realise that uh, he's a big comic book fan, and one of his comic book heroes is this sort of robot character called Cyboman. E- even more, you get the sense that he's a, a simpleton, mm. and he's not very, not very clever. Bit isolated, bit of a geek. He's what um, Pierce Brosnan will refer to several times as a retard. <laughs> Not my words, but um, he sort of he sort of lives in a shed um, at the back of a church. The VSI Industries that cannot have this intelligent, violent chimp on the rampage. So they send out a SWAT team. Quite quite an overpowered SWAT team. They they storm this little shed outside the church with with uh, Job, <laughs> Job carrying the chimp, and they basically have about twenty. Grown men with assault <laughs> rifles versus a chimp with like a revolver. <laughs> this is quite quite disproportionate. Um, kind of overkill. Obviously, Pierce Brosnan is there to try and um, talk uh, talk him down. He knows Job. Job cuts his lawn, so he knows him well. Tries to talk him down, but it, it doesn't work. And the, the chimp sort of gets triggered. He sees something that triggers him, and he starts having a, a freak out climbs up on the shed and in about 20 guys just go <laughs> just gun him down in front of Job and Job is like having a meltdown at this he can't believe that Cyberman is uh, is being killed we also obviously get a priest character because because there is a church involved here and um, he quite regularly whips Job with a belt yeah it's a sort of Catholic kind of cliche here of this um kind of creepy priest who, who, who beats people he wants to make sure that Job doesn't um, spread the news about a chimp being murdered. Well, yes, of, of course. VSI um, meet with the priest and say, you know, we'll make a, a sizable donation to the church if you keep this hush hush. Yeah. We mentioned earlier, obviously, this this extended director's cut is, is half an hour longer than the theatrical cut. It was around this time I started to realise exactly what this half hour consisted of. <laughs> this was fifty percent Pierce Brosnan bare chested with a cigarette recording a monologue <laughs> and 50% uh, Job mowing somebody's lawn. <laughs> but mostly it was bare-chested Pierce Brosnan smoking and giving a monologue. This came up again and again and again. Never never seen without a cigarette in his hand and his shirt just open for some reason. He's getting stressed. He needs a fag and a whiskey and to record his monologue... And I couldn't take him seriously because he had a ring in his ear. And I did, like <clears throat> I was used to watching Goldeneye and I saw him come in looking a few years younger uh, and he had like a, a gold ring in his ear which made him look like kind of sort of like a 21-year-old. But he did have glasses. Yeah. So to indicate he was a scientist. But he was quite a rugged scientist. Yeah. Quite a ruggedly handsome scientist. Yeah. And yeah, you can imagine he got more ladies than your average virtual reality like, expert. <laughs> Uh, he, he's really had enough of working for the government. Um, he, he says, quote, I've been sucking on the military tit for too long. 
some of the uh, some of the government officials have a bit of a, a bit of a Skype with uh, the director. I guess the villain of the film, but he's he's not seen very often. But he he's out there. He's the sort of the director. You know, something quite X Files about that. Pierce Brosnan is is recommended that Pierce Brosnan takes a, a leave of absence, have a break, and then recover from the the terrible chimp rampage. So he spends most of his days getting drunk, <laughs> sort of hanging out. Um, on his lawn and watching um, Joe mow his lawn Uh, and also plugging into the VR system that he has in his basement so this is like a suspended kind of chair suspended hammock the best parts of these films are always the bits where we go inside the virtual reality and we get this extremely primitive CGI yeah which you you have to see it to believe it we can't we can't really explain it I don't think people would even be able to recreate this now like modern CGI people Uh, there's a Facebook page called Cool 3D World Mm. and that kind of specialises in recreating quite weird CGI from the 90s that you would have got but it's also quite well done it's much better well done than this but it's the spirit of of early CGI in that it was a bit a bit weird and clunky and it was very arbitrary nothing really fit together it was just look what we can make with CGI and they're often quite druggy like in in there's lots of molecules and bright colours so this is a, a bit of that and his wife's obviously not happy with this. She comes down and says, you were meant to take me to the city this weekend. She says, falling, floating, flying. So what's next? Fucking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this sort of signifies that Pierce Brosnan, you know, he's on a slippery slope. Once he plugs in, he can't unplug. Uh-huh. And she does unplug him. He goes, you never unplug somebody while they're in, in the mainframe or whatever. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan starts to theorise about what exactly... Uh, was the bond between this retarded man and the chimp quite insultingly he's uh, he's comparing job's intelligence to that of a chimp maybe i could continue my project using him instead of a chimp obviously keep it off the books you know the vsi people he doesn't want them to get their hands on it he obviously is able to uh, coerce uh, job into taking part in these experiments you know hey do you want to play a video game oh sure i do yeah he gets uh, uh, Job to come down and play this sort of um, virtual reality game where they're sort of flying through tunnels, like a tunnel racing. It's a bit like Wipeout, F-Zero. Um, all, all the while here, a local neighbourhood kid, Pete, is uh, is his friend, is, is participating in this as well. I don't know if you recognise the actor that played Pete here. Um, one year after this film, he would go on to star as Arnold Schwarzenegger's sidekick in Last Action Hero. Ah. Yeah, it's a little little annoying kid that everybody hates. Also the only actor in this film that would return for the sequel, Lawnmower Man 2, beyond cyberspace. Didn't even know there was a sequel. Yes, (laughs) we're not watching it. Um, But he's involved as well, so there you go. We get a sort of a, a funny VR training montage all the while uh, while Job is being trained up to be a super intelligent guy obviously it's quite hard to portray that in a sort of a traditional exercise montage so what they do instead is have Pierce Brosnan do lots of exercise whilst recording his um his notes so he's like running on a treadmill yes intelligence has increased 10 IQ points so you still get the feel of a training montage even though this guy is just playing video games which is not something that lends itself to a a cinematic montage (laughs) but even though all he's doing is playing video games the very next scene you see Job in his little shed with a, with his shirt off and he is ripped. <laughs> yeah. He's fucking jacked. So 
maybe it's just all the lawn mowing but like you're like Jesus and um, he starts to tell the priest you know look I, I, I'm starting to want more from life like cowboy boots that scientist has put the devil in you <laughs> he's, he's corrupted you to Satan and I believe this was actually a theme of the short story by Stephen King. There was a satanic element to it, so maybe that's been pulled out pulled out of that story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mainly what Job wants is cowboy boots. Um, and the priest goes to hit him again with the belt, and he grabs his hand, and he stands up to him. Job's got more confidence, got more intelligence. This experimental stuff is working with with, with Doctor Angelo with Bronholm. Um, and then, yeah, we do get the uh, what I call the Wild West makeover of Job. <laughs> a, a, a gas station. He's he's bending over to pick up the uh, um, the petrol pump, and the woman's looking out of their car like, "Ooh, who's that?" <laughs> and then you get a real like slow crawl from the cowboy boots up the flared jeans, <laughs> up the up the light blue cowboy shirt, and then the the coiffured. Um, bleach blonde uh, do at the top and she says do I know you? Like, yeah I'm the lawnmower man <laughs> you're not the lawnmower man I am uh, yeah so now we get a love interest for Job because he's cool now he's had a makeover and he's cool and he's intelligent uh, so this is one of his neighbours who wants wants a bit of that Job is then invited um, by the uh, the sexy neighbour up for lemonade <laughs> he's, he's mowing the lawn with his shirt off because he's ripped now um, still wearing the jeans and the cowboy boots but he's lost the shirt and he's mowing the lawn and, and this woman uh, is on her balcony in her, in her dressing gown with the tray of lemonade <laughs> you must be hot out there do you want to come up for some lemonade it's just, it goes real porno real quick here Yeah. we get I would say this is probably the most awkward sex scene we've talked about since Basket Case <laughs> I don't think it tops Basket Case. It doesn't, but it was awkward. <laughs> yeah. And I was glad I wasn't watching it with anyone. Because <laughs> he's a, oh, clearly a virgin and he's never sort of done anything with a woman. She has to basically give him a tutorial of how how to do it. How to kiss. Yeah, so kisses, he kisses her. Okay, that's good, but put put your tongue in my mouth as well. <laughs> oh! <laughs> And then he's just standing there with his tongue out, like, and she just yeah. starts sucking it. It's <laughs> horrible. This is horrible. And then the, my favourite bit is when she takes his hand, puts it on her tit, and says, That's soft. Oh, yeah. And then puts it on his dick. That's it's hard. hard. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, this was stupid. this is horrendous softcore cable porn. <laughs> I hated this. Um, we're back in the facility again, and 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 what he does, Bronholm basically sits him in a chair with um, speakers all around him and and some computer screens, and it, they basically have a marathon like. Encarta session hmm. where he plays him CD-ROM encyclopedia discs until oh, he bursts yeah. basically he uh, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan says that he's absorbed 100 hours of knowledge in two minutes mm-hmm. in fact you know Job is really becoming too clever because out in public he starts to have kind of seizures where the whole like room is shaking and it sort of looks like it's going to go a bit CGI and then it doesn't and he's sort of having these aneurysms mm. um, he's too clever he's taken on too much information but what Pierce Brosnan is able to do is to tell the government people about what what's happened with this guy and finally sort of tell them about his experiments he's been doing on the sly 
and they're like, well, this sounds great. Let's let's tell a VSI director about this, and we can get full funding. Uh, he says you can get both tits now, <laughs> which was a real subtle callback to the uh, um, government tit line from earlier in the film, which I, I quite appreciated. Yeah, it's just going 100 miles an hour now. Um, Job is, is is freaking out. He becomes telepathic, so he can read Brosnan's mind, but also telekinetic, so he can move things with his mind. Yeah. He can squeeze all of the toothpaste out of a toothpaste tube. <laughs> what, for, uh, for example. Incredible power. <laughs> the best thing to show first. Well, it can be a pain in the ass to get the toothpaste out sometimes, especially when you get to the end. So mm. I, I, I think this is quite a good skill. I think it was worth it. He takes his sexy neighbour into the VR facility. Whenever you go into the into the VR system, you have to wear these kind of um, Tron-like jumpsuits to signify futurism, even though Tron did this ten years earlier. Yeah. And the effects in Tron are way better than this. Yeah. So just think of that. Imagine that. <laughs> we hinted at it earlier in the film. What are you going to do next in VR? Fuck. That's exactly what they're going to do. <laughs> so they both plug in. They start, like, making out as these sort of humanoid chrome metal looking figures their lips sort of like fuse together they get so aroused that they fuse together into the form of a dragonfly and start flying through the virtual reality world (laughs) which signifies orgasm maybe um so at this point he's able to mow lawns with his mind and this is where we get little elements from the short story coming in a little bit more uh, he argues with Pierce Brosnan that you know we've always had these skills of telekinesis and, and so yeah as I say the extended cut here really the extensions are lawn mowing and shirtless monologues and we get more of those again uh, in tandem Pierce Brosnan is is called away to uh, a business meeting with the director he has to pitch uh, his findings about Job to him the whole time the director is on the phone to someone else <laughs> um, on his on his massive mobile phone which is which is weird uh, Brosnan states, "I I can cure retardation," and then he 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 sort of bursts into a massive rant about chimps and formulas and batches, and I I felt he went quite Nick Cage at this point. <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous. These chimps, you killed my chimps. They were the best chimps I had. I can't believe you didn't tell me about this. Yeah, he and, lost it. Yeah, freaking out. He he had um. This was really his maybe you shouldn't be living here uh, moment, which um, for anyone that's not aware of one of the most famous Pierce Brosnan um, memes, it's it's from a film called Taffin, uh, where he freaks out. Uh, have you ever heard this, Mark? No, not. I'll play it for you right now. Okay. <laughs> we probably will never review Taffin because it's too bad, but the best bit of Taffin... What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! Easily fixed. Yeah, that, that's the best bit of tapping. Um, and that's really what, what Pierce Brosnan was tapping into. Uh, it came much earlier than this film. <laughs> but yeah. You killed my chimps! Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, every now and then, Pierce Brosnan is mostly soft-spoken, so it's even more alarming when he starts screaming at the yeah. top of his lungs, and that's that's what he did. It's like, if you've seen, like, Bond films, you think it's, like, you know, it's cool, suave Bond. And then seeing that is quite a... Yeah, he never freaks difference. out as James Bond. No. 
He never, yeah, he never goes, fucking hell, Q! <laughs> this fucking pen! <laughs> uh, it doesn't happen. So it's just a surprise he got the job, really, but yeah, we, we will we will get to those one day. <laughs> so, yeah, it, Dr. Angelo here manages to escape the government, uh, you know, VSI people. Um, Job really goes mad. He goes on a mad rampage here. He um, confronts the priest. All the while, he's wearing his VR suit, so we, he's having trouble separating you know, reality, I, I guess, from, from virtual. Confronts his priest. He's sort of possessed by VR. He's talking in a weird voice at this point. The priest is shouting at him, you know, you've got the devil in you, you've been possessed. Mm. He's been possessed by, like, devilish computer technology. Who the fuck is writing this film that like, <laughs> thinks that computers are the devil? But yeah, he, he uses his, uh, well, I guess, pyrokinesis here. He, he sets the priest on fire. Terrible, terrible CGI. Oh, when, yeah. When the priest catches fire. Now, I think... I'll give them a benefit of the doubt. Maybe they were just trying to make this look like the virtual reality graphics. And if they wanted to, they could have made it look like good fire. It didn't even barely look like fire. But I don't know if It just looked that... like he was disintegrating very orangely. It looked like a sort of Windows Media Player um, visualisation when you used to play your music on there. That's what it yeah. kind of looked like. He confronts the uh, the local bully that's been hassling him the whole film and uh, he kind of uses his telekinesis to kind of like wrap him up with, with gas pumps. Mm. And I, I, I think this was the weirdest part of the film. Um, it took me quite a quite a while to realise what the hell this was meant to be. It was just it was just a, a disembodied CGI head with lawnmower rotary blades whirring around in the mouth. That's very weird. Eating another person's brain. This was uh, like a bad acid trip. Pierce Brosnan returns home and um, he's shocked to see his wife in the kitchen with a with a pinny on. <laughs> This is not normal. What's wrong with you? And she's like, I've been baking all day. Oh, God, she's been brainwashed. Uh, yeah, she's doing nice things. What's going on? <laughs> she's cook- She's baking for me. She's been brainwashed. Uh, which just tells you a lot about their relationship. Yeah. Um, she's been brainwashed into being a, a cliched housewife. What the hell? Job gives a little kind of a quite a cool little monologue here. Um, I think he says, by 2001, everyone will be hooked into VR and hooked into me. <laughs> Uh, spoiler, everybody was not hooked into VR by 2001. <laughs> it, it had largely gone away and has only recently come up again as a sort of a viable um, you know, technology. They end up back at VSI. Someone's hacking the mainframe. One of the, char- one of the minor characters. <laughs> of course they says, are. Yeah. Uh, some virtual bees descend upon the guards at the VSI <laughs> facility. Oh, yeah. Not the bees. <laughs> yes, the virtual bees. And, of course, Job sort of becomes one with the VR. He fuses with it. He leaves behind his sort of wetsuit and a kind of a, a sort of desiccated uh, head popping out of the top of it in which to indicate all of his life essence has now gone into the computer. Mm. And uh, he, he sort of takes on this character within the, within the computer. This was a very passing resemblance of Jeff Fahey um, superimposed onto a sort of a humanoid uh, polygon CGI <laughs> character with a, with like a crazed look in his eyes it didn't really look like the actor at all all these different cylinders are uh, being thrust into his face that say access denied and IO port and <laughs> 
it's like a beehive of like these little things and he has to find the right one and he's like this is the mainframe represented in CGI and he just touches these these sort of cylinders access denied access denied he's getting really annoyed so Pierce Brosnan um, also goes into the VR system so that he can confront him so now we have two sort of humanoid CGI people that look absolutely nothing like the, the actors that they're meant to be. And he finally, he finally finds one cylinder which says, Access granted! But for some reason, there's a self-destruct in the mainframe and the VSI industries explodes. The virtual reality system explodes. That's it. Angela and Peter escape. Along with the hot neighbour. Yeah. Who he instantly shacks up with. So he's he's over his wife really quickly. And then uh, there's a final is, shot of like skyscrapers and a load of telephones ringing. Yeah, this uh, is this is a throwback yeah. to um to Job's monologue that says everyone will be hooked into him yeah. and one day one day you'll wake up to the sound of every phone ringing, which is quite cool actually. Yeah. Shame it was the last shot of the film. <laughs> <laughs> and then it does happen, but then that's it. <laughs> yeah. But it suggests that he's sort of escaped and he's now infiltrated telephones. Mm. We get one last monologue from Pierce Brosnan, but he's wearing a shirt <laughs> to suggest that he's pulled himself together, he's stopped drinking, he's got a new girlfriend about about two hours after his wife died, um, and he's got this little reconstituted family. Mm. And then we, the, we get the credits and we get some extremely blatant Terminator music. But that is The Lawnmower Man from 1992. What were your overall thoughts on this one, Mark? I quite enjoyed it in an ironic way. There was some pacing issues with this film. There was to be sort of like, I'd be getting into it and then like some of the scenes would just drag on too long. Probably won't watch it yet, but it'd be interesting to watch the theatrical cut and just see how it I dare you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sit through it again, but without... I mean, it was only half an hour longer. I quite liked watching Job turn from stupid um innocent character to this kind of insanely intelligent losing his mind like megalomaniac yeah yeah yeah. i think he probably had the best performance in the film Uh, hmm. everyone else was overacting constantly so that that's sort of tough to judge yeah but like you say he gave a convincing portrayal of a guy who was an idiot and then gradually became really clever and and meg what did you think of the special effects and the CGI? Bearing in mind it is 1992, do you think it's still quite bad for then? Or? It's it's pretty bad. I mean, it's not Terminator 2, which came out around the same time. And was great. Still looks good yeah. today. And Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. And, and The Abyss. Yeah. It just goes to show, you know, when a new technology comes around for films, don't be too quick to jump on it because people are still doing terrible CGI like yeah. it's something that can be great and something that can be bad depending on who's doing it and how much money is, is being put into it it's kind of an ambitious film and in, in lots of things it's trying to say but doesn't necessarily get its point across in, in any of those ways it's not dated very well at all because they were perhaps a bit a bit quick to make a, a kind of a horror film about a technology that was new and, and scary and now it looks ridiculous because mm. it's 2018 and, and people are really into VR it's like a real thing that's taken off now so yeah yeah i think it's it's a rambling incoherent quite dense sci-fi film but it's also quite dull in parts uh we didn't need an extra half an hour here <laughs> I, I can confirm that and um yeah i'm still trying to make sense of it all really you know um yeah. could 20, 20 odd years later since i first saw it and I'm, I'm not quite sure what what they were going for here okay so the next film that we're going to talk about is johnny mnemonic 
uh, from 1995. Uh, this does start Keanu Reeves, who was one of the biggest uh, movie stars on the planet at the time. It's really quite a quite a record breaker when it comes to um, awards. Mark, how many Razzie nominations do you think Keanu Reeves has achieved over the course of his career? Uh, five. He has been nominated seven times Whoa. for seven different films. <laughs> he was nominated for a Razzie for this film in 1995, but he lost to Paulie Shaw. For, <laughs> I think it was Stepson or something like that. Keanu Reeves, notorious, terrible actor, uh, wooden actor. That's the first thing I've written here is terrible acting. <laughs> That's what springs to mind when you when you think of Keanu Reeves. Uh, how you know? But he was repeatedly cast in big movies like this. Yeah, and uh, has been in some of the biggest kind of blockbusters over the last sort of, twenty five years. So for all his faults, he 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 was a moneymaker, and he was put in this film. He was the title character here in Johnny Mnemonic, which was also a film about technology and the dangers of technology. But it was less um, it was less virtual reality in in this, and more sort of the internet. Yeah. And computers. That the film actually opens with Internet 2021. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen in 2021. The internet is going to happen in 20... <laughs> something something will happen with the internet in 2021. Um, but we had uh, another another crawl to open this film, which was, um, I think, even better than The Lawnmower Man. New Century, Age of Terminal Capitalism. The armoured towers of multinational corporations rise above the ruins of the democracies that gave them birth. Soldiers of the Yakuza defend them. Hackers, data pirates, low-tech media rebels are the enemy, burrowing like rats in the walls of cyberspace. A new plague convulses the cities. Nerve attenuation syndrome, incurable, fatal, epidemic, bringing fear and misery as old as the species itself. But the most precious data is something entrusted to elite private agents, wet-wired to function as human data banks. <gasps> Mnemonic couriers. Sounds promising. That's a lot of information. Yeah. That's a lot of exposition. And how much of that is touched on in the film? As I read it now, I'm recognising some of it, yeah. but certainly not a lot of it. it, the, it it's... The, the Yakuza and uh, the courier. <laughs> and and low-tech. Yeah. It certainly it certainly sets the scene for a, a much better film than this is. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, don't get excited by that crawl. You're not you're not going to get a lot of that stuff. <laughs> it's more of a concept. This is actually based on a short story um, of the same name by a guy called William Gibson, who who also did this um, screenplay. So both of these films allegedly based on short stories, but have hardly any similarities. <laughs> we should mention this film confuses both the geography and culture of China and Japan. <laughs> They're quite interchangeable for this film, so it, if we accidentally say something's Japanese and it is Chinese, that's only because the film made us think that, okay? Yeah. Just want to lay that out there. For this film, Chinese and Japanese is the same. <laughs> Not for us. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of talk about this nerve attenuation syndrome is this sort of new plague that's um, that's come from technology and the internet and having too much information. <laughs> Um, we, we see uh, our hero, Keanu Reeves, Johnny Mnemonic, in bed with a lady. We know it's futuristic because he has no sideburns. <laughs> I want to mention, actually, before before we run down the film, the cast in this film is really weird. Keanu Reeves, Dolph Lundgren, Udo Kier, Henry Rollins, Ice-T, and, of course, Takeshi Kitano as <laughs> yeah. well. 
What a weird bunch of people to all be together. Some we have some musicians, we have some quite wooden action stars, <laughs> we have some some cult actors in the case of Udo Kier and Takeshi Kitano. It's such a weird thrown together thing. But we yeah, Udo Kier is introduced here as Ralphie, who is kind of um the boss. Uh, who gives Johnny Mnemonic his jobs. He is one of the data carriers mentioned in the opening crawl here. And, you know, he wants to do one more job as a data carrier. And we get a little flash, our first flash of Ice-T's character giving a little propaganda message. Keanu Reeves goes up to this hotel room and there's basically a bunch of kind of Chinese nerds there who are given the details of this one last big job that that he's got to do. He says to them, I've got a question. You don't look like the sort of people I work for. It's not a question. Yeah. It's a statement. <laughs> I didn't understand. How do you answer that? <laughs> what, 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 what was the question? I thought you had a question. There's a lot of, a lot of techno babble here. M- mainly they talk about the risks of carrying too much data inside your head can cause synaptic seepage. Yeah, just nonsense, basically. Yeah, gibberish. Hilariously, they talk about they need to fax something first. <laughs> so the year oh, is yeah. 2021. <laughs> We've discovered how to store data inside our heads, but you still need to send a fax first. So the idea is to upload all of this data into his head, but he quickly realises there's way too much data. You can't give, put that much data inside my head, you fool. So he has to go into the bathroom to excuse himself. Uh, this leads to him doing um, Tai Chi in front of the mirror, <laughs> preceding the film Man of Tai Chi that he would do. Bunch of Yakuza mobsters crash this hotel room, all wearing sort of satin trench coats, which uh, not not the typical PVC trench coats you usually see in cyberpunk, but (laughs) a lovely sort of satin dressing gown. Uh, There's a little bit of action here, some gunfire, people being killed, a bit of of hand-to-hand combat. One of the nerds loses the, the tops of his fingers, get chopped off. Yeah. By this one Yakuza guy who he's a recurring henchman in this film. He basically has like a cybernetic thumbnail <laughs> that he can use to summon a sort of laser whip. He uses it to slice off this guy's fingers in a sort of finger sushi. But Keanu Reeves is, ab- is able to get out of there. Where's he going to head next? He's been in Beijing. He's been around Tokyo. He's going to go to Newark. <laughs> Not New York. That's Newark, Newark, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, he's going to head to. It's a weird place to set it. Yeah. Out of all the big US cities. They maybe had, again, had a deal in place to shoot in, in, that, in that part of the world. It yeah. does happen sometimes. There's mention of more seepage. You know, the synaptic seepage because his brain's like overloaded with this data. He doesn't know what the data is. Uh, he just knows that he has to get out of his head or he will die. Yeah. We're introduced to the great Takeshi Kitano. Um, and I love this introduction because everyone knows him as this psychotic kind of Japanese sort of samurai or, or crooked cop. And here's a slow sort of pullout where he's sitting amongst a, a mountain of cuddly toys on his daughter's bed. It was his first big uh, American film that he did. He'd, he'd made his name in Japan and directed lots of lots of cult, super violent films, but this was his debut in America. He has a bit of a meeting with the, uh, I will refer to him as the thumbnail henchman. <laughs> Plan is to cut off Keanu Reeves' head and preserve it cryogenically and then bring it back to the Yakuza so that they can get the information out of it, which mm. is, yeah. There's lots of lots of kind of Blade Runner vibes here uh, in this in, in these scenes. Certainly, the scenes in, in Japan, it's all neon kind of sci-fi, um, which I quite enjoyed. Um, reminded me quite a lot of the the recent um, Ghost in the Shell uh, live-action film, also starring Takeshi Kitano, yeah, I which I I think is good, and um, the internet can fight me uh, <laughs> if they disagree. 
we are then introduced to one of the one of that uh, those Sterling cast members I mentioned earlier, Henry Rollins. Yeah. Um, he he plays here a doctor, sort of a nerd, with his massive uh, his massive glasses on. Uh, he'd done a few films before before this, and he would he would he's done plenty afterwards as well. He's actually got quite an interesting filmography if you if you check him out on IMDb. But uh, of course, he's known as being a punk rock icon uh, from from the Black Flag days. But he's going to be a bit of a nerd in this film. And he's working together with Ice T's character, who is also sort of introduced at the same time, who's called Jay Bone. And he's kind of a cyber anarchist. You know how I know he's an anarchist? He's got an anarchist symbol tattooed on his forehead. (laughs) So let there be no doubt. (laughs) The different factions are being introduced. And there's something I like about this film is that you you get an idea there's going to be like a real showdown here between the Yakuza against the anarchists, who I guess some people would think they were bad. It's kind of ambiguous, really. It it gets quite confusing. I, I struggled to follow who was on whose side here. Johnny goes to confront Ralphie, and it seems like Ralphie has sold him out to the Yakuza because thumbnail guy is there and he tries to take his head off with the the laser and put it in the cryogenic bucket. (laughs) We're introduced to the female lead in this film, a character called Jane. Uh, She's played by Dina Meyer, who uh, many of our listeners would probably know from Starship Troopers. Not the Denise Richards character, but she's the kind of badass on the ground shooting bugs character while Denise Richards is fannying about. Because she helps Johnny to escape the Yakuza's, but only on the condition of money. I think it's 50 grand, isn't it? Yeah. He agrees to pay her, so she's going to stick around until then. Uh, Ralphie meets his end here by the uh, the laser thumbnail guy, who, who whips his laser at him and kind of like carves him up like a turkey. Just slices of him fall off the side. And <laughs> Keanu Reeves he, he explains to to Jane how um, I'm starting to lose it, man. I've got eight gig of data in my head. <laughs> it's this, this inconceivably large amount of data that people couldn't even imagine. Eight gig. Like, you can't even put that on a computer. Like, that's so much information. We get Takeshi Kitano killing people with a samurai sword, which is, of course, what you want. We get this ridiculous scene where um, they're able to find this sort of den where Keanu Reeves can again tap into the mainframe and he he puts on this sort of visor which makes him again look a bit like Robocop he puts on these like power gloves Nintendo power gloves he's doing pretty much what what Job and and Pierce Brosnan were doing in The Lawnmower Man in that he's sort of exploring a computer system he's exploring the internet he'll reach into like a circuit board and pull out a bit of information like literally yeah or he'll literally unwrap a blueprint but in virtual reality not in real life so he's trying to find out what the data is inside his head I think they do say he's on the net I think this is where you get loads of crap 90s VR CGI as well yeah we're three years on here from Lawnmower Man and I don't think the CGI is really better. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they, they use it less, to be fair to them. But it hasn't picked up. <laughs> Not really, no. A little bit closer to N64, <laughs> um, but, but not quite. Um, we can't quite yet do 3D very well here. <laughs> he uh, he sort of runs into a hacker while he's exploring this virtual reality world who tells him, get off my network, man, you're too hot. You're going <laughs> to lead them right to me. Um, you know, And the alarms are going off. And he's like... Rrr, rrr. And uh, he eventually uh, realises that the data inside his head is owned by Pharmacom, who are, as you can imagine, an evil pharmaceutical company. So it's at this point that we are randomly introduced to 
Dolph Lundgren. So in the last in the last episode, I was very disappointed that we didn't get him in Sharknado Six. So I, I've immediately been compensated by Dolph Lundgren here. Now he is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Tech techno Jesus, and I know because he mentioned the word Jesus in pretty much every line of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> it's Jesus time. Come to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is here. Yes. I get it. You have long hair and a beard and you carry like a shepherd's crook around with you. Yeah. But you are techno version. An interesting character. I, I would have liked it more if he didn't keep banging us over the head with the fact that he's meant to be Jesus. Like, <laughs> I, if it had been more of a subtle metaphor, I maybe would have liked it more. <laughs> but he's not the usual character that Dolph Lundgren would play. He's not... Um, Jane, she starts freaking out as well because she's actually got too many implants in her arm as well, and she's suffering from the from the much talked about uh, NAS, uh, the, the the nerve attenuation syndrome. So she actually suffers from this herself. Mm. We're able to see exactly what this is. It's basically just <laughs> shaking and freaking out, and he, uh, and this has caused Keanu Reeves to kind of freak out, and he just kind of like screams at her, "Are you strung out?" <laughs> and yeah, she is. She's strung out on technology. We go back to, to Henry Rollins here as uh, the Doctor. I think that Henry Rollins probably landed this part off the back of his um, music video that he did the year prior to this with the Rollins band, which was called Disconnect. It, it was a typical spoken word over hardcore, which is what the Rollins band did, but it was this whole um, commentary on how like everybody's plugged into technology nowadays and people need to disconnect themselves or they won't be able to think for themselves super ahead of its time in 1994 like yeah. a, a, a premonition of, of things to come and I, I think he was really um, referencing that that kind of song and, and obviously what he what he felt about technology himself that, that it was causing people to become isolated and distant I enjoyed this I thought Henry Rollins was one of the better actors in this film much more grounded than a lot of people in this film he, he didn't really get any cheesy dialogue at all like his dialogue was quite good or he certainly played it good he acted a lot better than Keanu Reeves did <laughs> yeah acting opposite Keanu Reeves is an open goal sure <laughs> um, but he takes them to to their sort of heaven compound or they discover that inside Keanu Reeves head the pharmacom data he looks at it and it's actually the cure for NAS, for nerve attenuation syndrome. So um, this evil pharmaceutical company, and this is a, a common conspiracy theory uh, out there, this pharmaceutical company have the cure for this horrible disease. They just haven't told anyone because you can profit much more off a treatment than you can off a cure. Yeah. Quite a poignant point to be making, I nice think, actually. Nice bit of satire, like yeah. almost tapping into this kind of Starship Troopers kind of... Robocop time. Like Verhoeven, Verhoeven yeah, um, yeah. Political, yeah, satire. And it's something that people still talk about nowadays, you know, what what if what if pharmaceutical companies had a cure for cancer and they're just not telling anyone? Yeah. Because that wouldn't make them any money. It's it's always a controversial theory, but it's always something that's worth you know considering in this film. It's probably as lofty as this film got really. It all kind of kicks off then in this area. Dolph Lundgren's Techno Jesus pops up again. I think he's loosely been recruited by um, Takeshi Katano's character. Well, it's not really clear. He crucifies Henry Rollins on the hospital bed. <laughs> again, subtle. So now it's Keanu Reeves' turn to get his um, outrageous Nick Cage rant. <laughs> Um, just under the uh, the New York New Jersey bridge, <laughs> initially he says under his breath, oh, "What the fuck is going on?" And then he raises his head to the sky and says, 
what the fuck is going on? <laughs> There's all this stuff about the stuff that he misses from the hotels. I want my shirts laundered. I want room service. Yeah. The big the big line is I want room service. And then he goes on to talk about I want my shirts laundered. Yeah. This is the most animation uh, and emotion that you see from Keanu Reeves in the whole whole film. Um, but he, he is right underneath uh, what they call heaven. The uh, the bridge that's the hideout for all the anarchists taken into it by Ice T by Jay Bone his character. You know Ice T is a pretty ridiculous name for an actor, but Jay Bone, <laughs> I, I would rather say Ice T. A return to the show for Ice T, by the way. Uh, Leprechaun in a Hood. We did it a, a couple of episodes ago, yeah. so he is um, maybe one of the first people to return to Schlock Tactics. <laughs> um, certainly quite so soon. I I, I didn't plan it. Now this uh, heaven place is a sort of a techno utopia. And the way they symbolise this is by having lots of TVs hanging from the ceiling, which, uh, again, get on that fax machine, that cutting-edge 2021 technology. <laughs> uh, this this is the thing I mainly remember about the film, and I'm sure many people also. For about half of the film, they've been building up this guy called Jones. He's the head of the anarchists. He's like a techno-genius hacker. He's going to help you get the data out of his head. And we're introduced to Jones, and it's a dolphin. <laughs> It's a dolphin in a tank with a VR hat on. I think this is really what pushes this film over the edge of what, what they can get away with and what they can't get away it's with. It's sort of a metal eye thing. It's yeah. so ludicrous, and it's the one film I think is the thing many people remember from this film. And Keanu Reeves sort of um, exaggerates this as well. It's a fucking fish! About this time, the accuser starts storming the, um, the headquarters here. They talk about that they need to uh, triangulate the infrasound of the dolphin onto Keanu Reeves' head, and that way they can decode the data and get this data, the cure for NAS, out of his head, which is really what what they're trying to do. Gibberish. The laser ninja guy comes back. Ice-T just keeps repeating, you have to hack your own brain. Takeshi Kitano turns up in in Newark. All, all the way from Tokyo to Newark um, to, to personally confront uh, Johnny. Why Newark? Uh, the infrasound from the dolphin gets the download. It, it's as me- it's definitely as messy as the lawnmower man's um, closing moments. Yeah. And quite similar. Do not attempt interface, the computer tells him. He does interface successfully. He uploads the pharmacom files. So that means that everybody now knows what the cure to NAS is. They look out across the skyline, and for some reason, the Famicom skyscraper is on fire. <laughs> uh, so this this uh, interfacing really was quite um, quite strong stuff. A funny little gag at the end here is uh, uh, Dolph Lundgren's lifeless charred corpse is on the floor, and the and the arm starts moving to tease that he will he will rise, he will, he will he will be resurrected, uh, but it's just them winching up the corpse, yeah, and then dropping it into the. Water, dropping it into the uh, into the river at, from a great height, yeah. comedically. <laughs> what were your overall thoughts of a Johnny Mnemonic? <laughs> Quite entertaining in some ways, probably the wrong ways. It was a bit faster paced than uh, yeah, Lawnmower Man, more action because film. it was a bit shorter. Yeah. There was more action. Don't know if I gelled with any of the characters much there's a lot of characters yeah and a lot of ne- a lot of n- no <laughs> known actors as well like they, oh i did like the me. i did like the cast i quite like lundgren as like this kind of jesus 
madman. I think I like the cast more than the, the characters. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. <laughs> There's a lot of potential for them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although Henry Rollins' character was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he was probably one of the best ones. Far too much mm. stupid jargon and yeah. terrible <clears throat> VR and concepts that you just can't take seriously. I'm not sure if people took them seriously at the time even, but they certainly don't nowadays. And <laughs> I didn't see it when it came out. Obviously, I, I remember people being afraid of Mortal Kombat, as I said, you know, yeah. pa- parents, and I remember people being afraid of Y2K and the internet being um, a scary thing to the older generation. So uh, both these films, they doing things right like they've got the right idea in, in mm. that they're tapping into something that's freaking quite a large section of society out yeah um and trying to make a, a, t- a techno horror out of that but they, they go too far mm. and they said so they end up making it so ridiculous it's never going to age very well no. and you know a lot of films that portray you know emerging technology do date horribly which is why it is worth hanging back and waiting to see what happens with the technology mm. even more recent films that have done like like the the social media horror films where it all takes place on facebook and stuff like they've they've definitely held back until facebook is a, is a thing yeah like imagine if someone had done a, a film set on myspace like yeah. myspace was popular it would look Bebo. it would look yeah. ridiculous now wouldn't it you know or napster or something yeah, you know yeah. it's like people are way too quick to jump on a new technology and think oh this is a great film what if what if this thing terrified everyone and and it just doesn't it doesn't date and this film is I think it's even more dated than the Lawnmower Man, just in the uh, certainly in the cast and the, um, the what they were wearing. Certainly the jargon. You've never heard anyone use these sorts of words out loud. Um, it just doesn't exist. You know the, the mainframe <laughs> yeah. hacking. Get off my network! <laughs> like these things just don't happen. Like this is a very fictionalized sci-fi world. But yeah, I, I like Johnny Mnemonic for its for its nonsensical. It's quite fast-paced and action-heavy, and like I say, that is, is a good cast. Even including the, the terrible Keanu Reeves, Johnny Mnemonic, uh, another ill-judged techno sort of sci-fi horror. If you had to uh, upload one of these movies into your brain, <laughs> all eight gig of your of your space in your brain, uh, and just have it live in your head forever, and you could you know, watch it whenever you wanted, would you would you choose to upload the Lawnmower Man into your brain? Or Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, this is a tough one. <gasps> what film would I want to have to live with in my brain? Yeah. <laughs> I, I take the lawnmower man. Why? I don't know why. I just think just got on with the story slightly more, even though they're both ridiculous. Quite like the rapid change of character <laughs> of Job from the like dorky taken advantage of guy yeah. to the super over intelligent. It was almost a narrative. Yeah, it was yeah. a real attempt at a narrative. Yeah, <laughs> even though it had pacing issues, it like I felt overall like I followed it. I am gonna disagree. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Uh, now, I think perhaps this would have been more fair if we'd have watched the theatrical cuts of both these films because yeah. the Lawnmower Man goes on for two hours and twenty minutes. <laughs> Purely in comparing the extended cuts of these films, I, I would have to to prefer Johnny Mnemonic. The Lawnmower Man it does have more of a semblance of a plot and a narrative and almost some vague ambition there but it's just so drawn out and extended really I find it repeats itself just constantly we're in the basement we're in the compound whereas Johnny Mnemonic is fast paced it's action packed 
it held my interest a lot more because like we're in Tokyo we're in Beijing we're in Newark um, <laughs> you know and then so many different characters as well constantly rotating like you've got Dolph Lundgren and he's Jesus and Ice-T is an anarchist Henry Rollins is like a doctor um, you know I liked a lot of the wackiness and the variety of, of Johnny Mnemonic but um, Johnny Mnemonic for me the better bad film purely because it went 100 miles an hour the whole way <laughs> uh, yeah the film I would recommend most based on uh, the kind of concept of these films is a David Cronenberg film from 1999 called Existence it's one of his more underrated what that film did is hung back a little bit and waited to see how this whole video game thing was going to pan out and if it was yeah. going to take off so by 1999 it very much had taken off <laughs> and uh, we realised that, that we weren't going to be plugged into VR like Job said by 2001 we were actually going to be playing games yeah um maybe even online all the same time so existence is, is about a couple of people who are addicted to a game called existence and they plug into the game and then we go into that world and it's not it's not silly cgi it's it's just the live action all the way through so mm. they play characters in like a mass multiplayer online game and they can interact with each other but you know they you know if you die in existence you can die in real life <laughs> and it's the, like they switch from world to world and it's like sort of double agents and stuff like that it's just really clever really smart and they, they waited till 1999 to really be more on the nose with video games and what makes video games kind of interesting and role playing games and stuff like that so yeah I, would, I think that's one of David Cronenberg's better films and I would recommend that because that, that nails the the idea of virtual reality and, and, and video games being this kind of um, tech horror you know uh, if you want bad films uh, based on similar concepts to this, I mean, constantly throughout Johnny Mnemonic, I was reminded of Demolition Man. Fantastic bad film. Congo, I was reminded of quite a bit for some reason. Um, maybe The Lawnmower Man and The Chimp maybe put me in mind of Congo, but um, <laughs> Congo is about, is about a gorilla who um, is fitted with apparatus so that it can talk through a voice box. Nothing else about that film really relates to it, but if you want um, Intelligent Apes, and I'm assuming people are aware of the Planet of the Apes films, which are obviously great. And I was also put in mind of Hackers as well. Yes, um, that's probably the one thing that... Yeah, if you want a, if you want a similarly dated film, uh, Hackers also came out in the mid-90s and had lots of people probably also talking about plugging into the mainframe and going on people's networks. All of that jargon. Lots of jargon, lots of like techno and drum and bass and stuff like that so that's similarly uh, cheesy kind of techno um. so uh, if you have enjoyed the show today you can obviously subscribe we do release two episodes every month and if you're subscribed you'll be the first to know about it if you could leave us a five star review on iTunes we would really appreciate that as well we are currently five star rated and if you can help us uh, to keep that going that would be awesome you can get in touch uh, on Instagram Facebook and Twitter at Schlock Tactics and let us know what you thought of these films if you have any films for us that you'd like us to review or just to get in touch and let us know what you think uh, please do that. But that has been another episode of Schlock Tactics my name is Ben Ash and I've been joined by Mark. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next time. Bye! Bye!